two of the members of our staff here at the cathedral have gone on a pilgrimage. Catherine Bassett, our bookstore manager, and Oeen Courtney, who heads up our formation, decided that they would take with them three other friends and go to Ireland on a pilot pilgrimage, they're saying, because they want the cathedral to start doing pilgrimages, which I think is a great idea. So they're over there in Ireland and they're posting these gorgeous pictures of these Celtic holy sites. Every day, more pictures come. And I can tell that they're being transformed. They're experiencing something magnificent in those sacred spaces. I've been on two pilgrimages in my life. One was right after seminary. I got to go to the Holy Land for almost a month, and that was amazing. The second happened more by accident. I was invited to do a wedding on the island of Capri off the coast of Italy. I know, talk about suffering for Jesus. Because I was already over in Italy, I thought, well, let me rent a car, and I want to drive to Assisi. I've never experienced anything quite like what I experienced in Assisi. I could feel the presence of St. Francis. I don't know how else to explain it, but I just... He was there, this peace, this peace was there. I wanted to stay longer than I was able to. I, I spent hours sitting in the church where his body is buried. It was so beautiful. I will never forget it. St. Francis, who we celebrate today, lived at the end of the 1100s, beginning of the 1200s, during the height of the Crusades. Christians had taken Jerusalem from the Muslims, slaughtering hundreds, thousands. Muslims had taken back Jerusalem from the Christians, slaughtering hundreds, thousands. The church was very, very wealthy and really committed to this war. Francis had gone to war himself there around his area of Assisi. And after coming back, he had a vision and he heard God say, fix up my home. So Francis fixed up a, a church, a sacred home like ours. But not only did he fix up the church, but he completely altered his life. He gave up owning anything. He lived outside, mostly sleeping under the stars. He begged for food. He made up songs to praise the sun and the moon. 
He would walk into a field of flowers and find it so beautiful that he would begin to weep. People alternately thought he was insane and very holy. That's the Francis that we know, the Francis that loved nature, the one that you see in people's gardens in a statue. You know, he's either holding a bird or he's patting a wolf. But there's a whole other part of Francis that is talked about less. And that's the part I want to talk to you about today. You see, in the early 1200s, Francis decided to go into the midst of a bloody battle in the height of the Crusades. It was August in Egypt. The Christians had surrounded a town called Damietta, which was on the Nile River. They were trying to starve out the Muslims, and they were throwing huge fiery balls of rocks into the city. The Muslim soldiers would explode through the gates and try to slaughter the Christian soldiers, particularly at night when they were sleeping. It was like hell on earth. Francis believed that God was calling him to go and speak to the sultan, the commander of the army. So he went with his brother Illuminato, because Jesus said always go two by two. They sailed there and then walked. Francis and brother Illuminato had to walk through a field strewn with the bodies of soldiers and dead horses in the heat of August. You can imagine the stench, the flies, the atrocity of it all. And there they were, making their way in their simple robes through this horrible, bloody mess. The Muslim soldiers caught, saw them coming and rushed up to capture them. Francis, not speaking their language, said, Sultan, Sultan. The soldiers decided not to kill these two strange unarmed men, but brought them to Sultan Malek al-Kamir. Francis and the Sultan talked to each other for three days. No one knows exactly what they said to each other. Historians tried to push it aside for a few hundred years. They talked about the, the Muslim monster and stuff. It's only in the past 50 years that scholars have begun to do research on the conversation, looking at Muslim historians as well as Christian historians. The Muslims tell us that this sultan Malek al-Kamir was aggressive in battle, but he was also a learned man who loved discourse and dialogue, who was interested in many different subjects. We know from some Christian historians that 
Francis came in and said, peace be with you. And the sultan responded, assalam alaikum, which I guess is equivalent of that. Then Francis explained to the sultan, and there was a captured priest who could translate a Christian. He explained that he was there to save the sultan's soul. If the sultan would just listen to him, he wanted to tell him about Jesus. And evidently the sultan said, I'd love to hear about this Jesus. I don't know why you all worship him. So Francis began to tell the story of Jesus. The sultan asked if he would join him for a meal. And they ate together. They had long conversations. We know that Francis would later mention that he admired how the Muslim soldiers would pray five times a day by getting down on their knees and putting their forehead to the ground. We know that the sultan tried to give Francis a lot of wealth, gold and treasures, and Francis didn't want any of that, and that the sultan admired him for not caring about riches and that the sultan admired his courage. And evidently, towards the end of their visit, the sultan said, you know, I really do like the sound of this Jesus, but it would really upset this battle if I were to convert at this time. <laughs> Instead of killing Francis, Francis was set free to go back home. I wonder if he thought at the time that he had failed because he should have been martyred. But I think what he did was, was much more profound. There were a lot of martyrs in the Crusades. But what Francis actually did, now that we can see it more clearly, Francis had the first interreligious dialogue in the midst of a bloody war. In the book of Job, God says to us, how in the world can you judge each other? You weren't here at the beginning. You don't know how I made the heavens and the earth. You don't even know how the goat has a baby or how the ostrich plays. How can you judge one another when you cannot even understand my handiwork? I've always loved the, the image that a saint gave that all people who are worshiping God, different religions you could say, we're like ants at the base of Mount Everest. And we decide to get in an argument about how high the mountain is. So one of the ants says, it's as high as three anthills. And the other ant says, no, it's as high as four anthills. And then they go to war about it. Do either of the ants have any clue about the size of Mount Everest? And yet, they will go to war over something that is so far beyond our understanding. Jesus came to us because we couldn't understand God, but we could learn to love him. 
And Jesus tells us that if we want to come to know God, we must not get a PhD necessarily, but become like a child. It's not our intellect that's going to get us closer to God. It's our love. It's our awe. It's our wonder. It's the sound of a beautiful piece of music, a beautiful piece of art. It's taking wonder at the dandelion and how it blows in the wind. Become like a child, Jesus said. That's how you can know God and love your enemies. Love them. So as our government is about to go into shutdown because we can't even talk to one another, I want to lift up this image of St. Francis who walked through a bloody mess to talk to the guy who was his enemy and listened to him and learned and taught and was changed. What would the world look like if we followed in Francis's footsteps?